0: I think it's really funny this morning, my four-year-old sitting at the breakfast table looked me in the face and said, Dad, how was the universe formed? <laughs> and I was like, you mean like Earth or like the whole universe? She was like, no, no, the whole universe. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, let me just put my spoon down for a second. <laughs> That's
1: a future strategist right there. I will hire your
0: child. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest possible question.
2: How did you answer that?
0: I think I said you know scientists don't really know yet actually they're still investigating and trying to figure out how it actually was formed and so we don't know the answers to everything but that's part of what makes life exciting
1: oh that's a great answer it also sounds yeah. like it could have been a job for ChatGPT that you could
0: have <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: Everybody, and welcome back to the Human Element, Kara's podcast focused on finding ways to inject humanity and insight into modern marketing. Today I'm joined by Joanna Hawks, EVP Head of Strategy at Kara US, and John Manka, Director of Audience and Insights at Densu Media US. Welcome both. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks for having us. So today we're here to cover a mid-year check-in on our 2023 Consumer Insights and Media Trends reports and predictions. But before we do that, can you give us a little bit of background on just your roles today and how you got here? So I'm Joanna
1: Hawks. I'm the head of strategy at CARA. I actually came from a planning background and moved into strategy a few years ago. And so I now oversee this group of amazing strategists who are designing media that better connects brands with their consumers.
0: And I'm John Manka. I'm a director on the audience and insights team at Dentsu. Our work helps clients and teams understand and engage with audiences, and we create custom solutions to... Enhanced efficiency and impact for every campaign.
2: Let's start by summarizing the work that you both have done in your respective teams and fields around this year's trends. What are some of the key trends and insights you've identified and the immediate impact to brands?
0: Our piece is called Navigating the Perma Crisis. And it's an interesting space that we live in now. We're sort of in this post pandemic world where people are really sort of reevaluating how they interact with brands. And one of the interesting trends we're seeing is the rise of de-influencers. And de-influencers are kind of pushing back on the kind of pay-to-play approach that has historically maybe devalued brand sponsorships a little bit. I think they're bringing an honesty back to the conversation. And that includes dupes, which are kind of this sort of less costly version of existing premium products. So for example, it might include a fragrance product that mirrors the profile of a more premium, expensive product. And I think there's this financial reality that people are facing today. And so I think brands can kind of leverage this kind of sort of virtuous honesty when they're bringing products to market. And kind of when they think about curating the influencers and people who investigate and speak about their brands, I think that kind of element of honesty is really critical to the equation.
1: Yeah. And I'll build on that. I think that there is this push, right, for authenticity, but I think we're also seeing some high-level trends that media is really becoming more immersive and interactive for consumers. So the way that we interact with brands is fundamentally changing. I mean, we saw at the upfronts, shoppable content coming out, AR is being seamlessly integrated, you know, always in social media, but now coming into retail and kind of there's this new merging of tech and media that lets consumers interact with brands in fundamentally new ways.
0: Yeah. And I think related to that tech, I think, interestingly, I mean, The concept of nostalgia in marketing has been around for a while. I think, you know, usually playing up 80s and 90s concepts, I think we're starting to see things dig even further back in time now into the 80s and 70s. And it's interesting to see how those brand concepts sort of manifest. A lot of them have a sort of technology layer to it and sort of an interactive and maybe even gaming element associated with sort of brands and clients finding new ways to leverage nostalgia and exciting and different types of experiences.
1: I feel like the Barbie movie is a great example of that. Everyone's obsessed with Barbie car and yeah. the
2: Barbie aesthetic coming out of that. Yeah. There's even a Barbie Airbnb for rent before, like leading up to the movie now. So <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say, John too, you know, you're starting to get into your elder years when the trends you lived off of in childhood <laughs> have become like a Gen Z phase. That's so right. yes, it's a rude awakening for some of us. <laughs> so to go a little bit into your Craft. The world is rapidly changing. It's changed just since January when you both have been working through these reports. How do you identify and stay ahead of merging trends in your day-to-day and kind of impact clients?
0: Yeah, for me, I spend a decent amount of time on LinkedIn because there are a handful of folks that I've worked with throughout my career who I really respect and who I think serve this like amazingly helpful function of surfacing the newest coolest and greatest thinking and a lot of it involves sort of just looking at case studies and looking what other brands are doing and thinking about trying to reverse engineer sort of the business challenge that they were solving for and thinking sort of critically about how they did it and how some iteration of that might be brought to life for our clients
1: yeah similar approach here i mean we have right some like ongoing consumer tracking we do through the density navigator that was actually on a weekly basis during covid which looking back i'm like how did we do that every week but I think that kind of just put us into this rhythm of constantly mining for insights. And now we're, you know, we're always looking at the trades and media partners from what we see and experience in the world around us. But I think it does take that good gut instinct to say, like, what trend is going to stick around and what's kind of this bad that's just going to be a blip.
2: And Joanna, you're currently working through kind of gut checking a mid-year report on Kara's media trends that came out earlier this year. What did we predict that was on point? What might have missed the mark? Can you give us just a little bit of a a reality check there? Yeah, one thing that's on
1: point that has evolved even further is this notion that identity is shaping more media interactions. So people are really gathering in spaces that really kind of meet their unique need states and their unique identity. And we're definitely seeing this continuation Of media niching down. So people are connecting in platforms and genres around hyper-specific passion areas. So cozy gamers is one that I just learned about, where it's like this group of gamers who gravitate toward games that make them feel cozy and comfortable. And it's super niche, but it's really popular. And so I think that this notion of identity is really shaping how consumers also interact with brands. And then one area I would say that we Maybe missed the mark on or maybe which didn't expand upon this trend further enough is we have this notion that as tensions rise around us, people turn to media for what we call dopamine chasing, and they want this quick positive uplift. And that's definitely still true. But we're actually seeing that consumers are tapping into media to process more complex emotions too. So the New York Times actually just released an article that horror is the number one genre for Gen Z. Uh, because it provides them this opportunity to experience fear in a safe environment. And it it sounds dark, but we're seeing it, right? Like the Moscow murders content, the flooded TikTok and The Last of Us breaking viewing records. And so there's kind of this whole spectrum
2: of emotions that brands can tap into. That is a uh, wild concept, actually. I will not be watching any horror for fun just to feel fear in a very safe manner. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrifying. Let's talk a little bit about the importance of partnerships and how that's evolved. How do collaborating with industry partners to gain deeper consumer insights validate media strategies? Like what is the importance of partnerships today?
0: Well, from my side as a, as an insights professional, you know, it's really critical to stay in close contact with, with partners. And the big industry partners use syndicated research just like we do in some cases, but they also conduct their own primary research. And so sometimes it's on really niche audiences. So reaching out and connecting with those folks to understand their latest work and the unique perspectives they have about audiences, I think it can really help add context to our work and also show clients that we're really exhausting all possible channels to help solve their business challenge.
1: Yeah, and I feel like there's also that lens of cultural insights that we also need to keep the pulse on and culture is just moving faster and faster. And so our partnerships are key to helping us kind of surface some of those insights to help us stay relevant with our brands. I agree.
2: And as the media industry continues to be data-driven, so Joanna, you sort of mentioned this a little bit, how do you balance the use of data analytics with the need for creativity and storytelling?
1: I mean, I think what we learned back in this era of big data is that tech enhances but doesn't replace our deep understanding of what really motivates people. And I mean, we saw this during COVID, right? Things were changing so fast and the data wasn't keeping up with that. Like we had to go to consumers and actually release surveys to understand how people were feeling and how they were kind of processing what they were going through. And so we absolutely tap into data and I'm sure AI will become a huge part of this in the future, but we also really need to layer on that human lens to understand. that deep truth that really unlocks some of those creative approaches to media.
0: You know, we can get sort of bogged down in the granularity of data, but we always need to sort of make time to pause and evaluate and think, how would the average person experience this? How would it make them feel? Does it deliver on something interesting about who they are as a human that maybe other brands haven't recognized or discovered yet?
2: And in the era of ad blocking and ad fatigue, what advice do you have for brands to really draw attention to consumers?
0: I think there's a balance between creativity and and media placement. And I mean, the product has to be good. There's sort of things we can't necessarily influence. With creative, we can't always influence it. Sometimes we can. But for us, really, the media placement has to be right. And you have to just sort of put yourselves in the shoes of the consumer and say, hey, if they saw this ad right now while they're watching Netflix, how would they react? Does it deserve their attention? Have we brought it to life in the correct way, in such a way that it's going to generate the response? that we want it to generate. And I think people don't always take that step in terms of evaluating and thinking about what does the campaign look like in real life?
1: Yeah. I feel like it's just like bring back craft. Like, Consumers want to be wowed and they want to feel again and they want these experiences. And there's such an opportunity for us to get more creative with the media experiences we deliver and really evoke that human emotion. And I think that like as we kind of went down the data route for years, we kind of lost sense of that. And I think it's coming back and it's exciting.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good thing.
1: What's one thing that you would advise brands right now? I was just going to say, like, don't be afraid to tackle the big issues. I think we had such a nice trajectory of brands, like living their purpose and tackling social issues and trying to make a difference. And after this Bud Light fiasco, it's kind of made people gun shy again. And I think it is still so important to take bold actions to drive that positive change forward. And Marketing is a huge driver of being able to do that. So that would be my advice.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think showing up in culture authentically means understanding where your brand fits in culture. Mm-hmm. And that's something that can take some testing and learning. So I think there's a place to sort of calibrate by testing new partnerships and seeing what creates momentum and then kind of re- refining the priority focus from there and refining the level of investment, refining the relationships, but always staying true to the sort of core mission of what is what are the brand's values. I think that should be at the center of the campaign planning process.
1: That is such a great answer. And I love that like, there's so many places where brands can show up just because it's buzzy or trendy or because consumers are there. But thinking through like, what role does your brand play in enhancing that experience is really important. So I love that answer, John.
2: And what's one thing you think agencies should do right now?
0: You know, every client wants to use data right now, but not every client is in the same place in their data journey. And so client partnerships means understanding where the client organization is in the transformation journey and responding accordingly. So there, there needs to be a moment where you sit back and evaluate where is this client at in the process? What is their learning agenda look like? And how can we help them navigate that regardless of where they are in the process? So that flexibility and that understanding behind the scenes of who we're talking to, who's in the room, and what are their objectives? What are their business objectives as it relates to data is, is really critical.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's this notion of like, not being afraid to take risks. And I think we see a lot that there's like a new platform or a new tech that comes out. And we're all kind of waiting to see like, who's going to do something with it? And what's his efficacy within the media ecosystem? And I think that's the moment that's ripe for experimentation. And that's where we should be leaning in and
2: trying to play and figure that out together. If we look three years out, what is your biggest, boldest prediction?
0: I think sort of staying on the data theme, you know, I think AI is going to play an even bigger role in media buying and optimization. And I think the reins to a certain extent are going to be handed over a little bit, um, but with some protective guardrails. And I think working really hard now to establish those guardrails before we get there too quickly is really critical. And so I think a lot of attention needs to be put there. Yeah.
1: And then I'll take that to a more like fun place. So when <laughs> I think we talk about AI so much and it's so interesting, but I feel like we underestimate the future of AR as well to create these more kind of immersive experiences that people want. And a colleague recently went to Disney and reported back how like the technology is so seamlessly woven into the experience at Disney that she felt transported into these worlds of like Harry Potter and Super Mario. You know, and I think that we still want to live in the real world. Like we don't want to live in virtual spaces, but AR is a game changer in how we kind of experience the world in different ways.
2: Yeah, I, I think even as we think about AI and AR, like really good use cases are when you don't really know. Mm -hmm. But it's there. So even, you know, John, AI, like even in the day to day and how that really what that means for planners and buyers, as you mentioned, and how does that free up time to then lead into more creativity and get back to our craft that we, you know, we love that we were so bogged down before, because of all the data and insights and influx, you know, where can we utilize technology to us back to that moment of craft. So I think it's yeah. an exciting time. So I think you both are you know, spot on with where we're at. We, hopefully, maybe not three years, maybe it'll be a little bit further. But I do think some ethics is going to be in play until we get there.
0: Exactly right.
2: Yeah. So what are you most excited for leading into the second half of the year?
0: From my perspective, you know, I think we're going to see some kind of crescendoing discussion on climate change in the world. And I'm really interested to see how agencies and brands can be part of a global solution, even if it means sort of like interagency collaboration um, for the collective good.
1: I actually just read research that Densi Field with Kantar that said that there's like this huge gap in the consumers who say that they're prepared to take action to live more sustainably and those who actually do it, which I guess isn't so surprising, but it was the numbers were eye-opening. And at CARA, we've been working with behavioral scientists to establish principles that can help us market in ways that can influence more sustainable behavior. So hopefully we'll see some reinvigorated interest and momentum there.
2: And let's rewrite the headline for 2023. It was the year of...
0: I think 2023 is going to be the year of AI, (laughs) for better or worse. And I think it's what we make of it. But I think that might actually be the headline of the next few years as well.
1: I feel like psychologically, (laughs) 2023 is this weird. It's like the year of the in-between. And I think we're starting to process what we've been through when we're realizing a lot of the changes that we hoped would stick maybe aren't sticking around. And so we're kind of in this middle place between going back to the way things were and also bringing those lessons forward with us. And I just feel like we're kind of stuck in this middle place right now.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And our nation is continually going through unsettling times. In the midst of it all, what gives you the most reason for hope?
0: Well, I think in the U.S., the fact that journalism continues to have a really strong level of support, sort of even in the face of ongoing pressure, is really critical. And I think freedom of the press really serves an important role in holding leaders in the U.S. and globally accountable for their actions and accountable to the promises they make. So I think it's an incredibly important function. And I think it needs to be defended and protected and people need to rally.
1: Since John went the intellectual route with a very smart answer, I'm going to say my baby boy. I <laughs> just feel like every morning he wakes up and he's so happy immediately. And these like tiny things that he finds joy in make me feel like no matter what happens with the world or where things go, there are these like tiny moments of joy that you can tap into. So (laughs) that's my response to your intellectual answer.
2: (laughs) Actually, I was in a class yesterday and they were saying that children peak with their questions they ask a day and curiosity at age three, I want to say, and it's about 300 questions a day is what they (laughs) go through asking just why and how and what. And I think that's, fascinating because as we think about creativity and you know how we get so jaded after you know sadly after the age of three to four and you know amount of questions we feel comfortable asking and you know why are we not coming back to that a little bit so I think there's room for us a little bit to, to ask the questions and I think that's what we were you know talking about a little bit earlier before we head into the lightning round is there anything that that I didn't ask just based off of some of the amazing, you know, research and insights that you've had on these, both of these reports from a consumer insights trends and media trends. Is there anything that you'd want to cover today?
1: I think the one area that we're also covering in our mid-year report is this notion of, we had spun it in the January report as technology, like in the face of complexity, people want simpler solutions. And so all these innovations are kind of meant to make our lives simpler. So like the chatbots, But I think that as, you know, as shoppable content comes out, like now we're seeing this technology that's meant to make things more seamless, kind of enter these spaces. Like TV used to be this lean back environment where you tune out and you don't want to make decisions. And now if you have to make shopping decisions and retail decisions in this place, is that making people's lives easier? And I don't have the answers, but I think it'll be really interesting to kind of see how that pans out and the level of adoption that we see there.
0: I think. The forward-looking challenge to challenge clients forward is stay true to your brand, understand what your brand stands for. And when you build experiences for people, we need to all collectively challenge ourselves to ask the question, is this true to the spirit of the brand? Does this mirror the brand's values? I think that's really critical.
2: Not to tag our podcast name, but I think that is why we came up with this podcast in the first place is, you know, (laughs) touching on the human element of every aspect of this, right? We get so lost, like you just said, Joanna, in the technology and and fast pace of this industry, but what doesn't need technology? What still needs a human behind it and that approach? And then also, you know, to your point, John, like not everything uh, needs to be done. And it needs to be right and it needs to feel human and it still needs to feel connected to the humans behind that, you know, support your brand. So is that right? You don't always have to do everything uh, that comes out in our industry. And I think that's a nice point. So lightning round. They are short questions and short responses. They never happen that way, but let's see if we can do it today. Favorite digital experience. I
0: know we've been talking about AI a lot (laughs) and kind of joking about it, but I use ChatGPT to help me find words that rhyme but mean the same thing. And so I'm just, it's super pragmatic use of it for like writing headlines and telling stories.
1: is chat GPT. Also, I love playing around with the different prompts. It's fascinating.
2: <laughs> so I did try chat GPT only a few days ago. So yes, I've been living under a rock for quite some time, but uh, I actually asked program to come up with some podcast questions. Some of them were, were unique. Others were a little terrifying. And also some were just, no, that is not the pulse that we're <laughs> on right now. But we appreciated the effort. So best piece of content recently
0: consumed? I'm a big nerd. So I saw the d movie recently and it was, it was so, so good. It was really well crafted. Everyone should go see it.
1: Mine's the Wes Anderson succession clip that was flooding TikTok. It was so clever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All-time favorite band or song?
0: I'm pretty deep into jazz, and Ben Webster, who plays tenor sax, has got to be my favorite. I think King of the Tenors is an amazing album. It's a pretty deep jazz cut.
1: There is this mashup of Imagine Dragons covering Taylor Swift's Blank Space that transitions into Stand By Me, which is my actual favorite song of all time. And it is such a great
2: song. (laughs) I would have not expected either of those responses, so thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Best career advice given or received?
0: I don't know if I was told this directly or if I like, if it occurred over time, but if you're passionate about what you're pitching, that's more than half the battle.
1: Mine, I was told by a very senior person that said, nobody has it figured out. It's okay. Like the most senior person in the room is also trying to figure it out and everyone's just doing the best they can. And I I just feel it was very freeing advice. Why do you love this business?
0: For me, you know, whether you're in strategy or creative or media, everything we do is about creativity and human truths. And not everybody can say that about their industry. So so I feel lucky every day I work here.
1: Yeah, I feel like the opportunity to connect, both like connecting with other creative brains who want to do good work, but also our ability to connect with consumers in more meaningful ways. And I think when you see a great piece of work that clearly came from like a deep human insight, it's this just amazing connection point.
2: I love that. Well, Joanne and John, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us.
1: Thanks, Chelsea.
2: And thanks for listening to another episode of The Human Element. You can find us anywhere you can find your pods. We'll be back out to you real soon. And in the meantime, be well.